The Pirates of the Caribbean are famous worldwide, known for a, a series of films in Hollywood. You're a pirate. Forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Theme park rides and video games. You're not facing normal pirates. But how about the real-life modern-day pirates in the Gulf of Mexico? The pirates would climb aboard unarmed rigs, then begin by stealing important machinery because these pieces of equipment are very expensive. Today on the America's Now podcast, we'll talk about the crimes being committed off the shores of Mexico by these bandits at sea and how law enforcement has not had the capability to stop their looting. Hi, everyone. I'm Elaine Reyes in Washington, D.C., and this is the America's Now podcast. Today, we're talking with our correspondent in Mexico, Alistair Bauberstock. He is currently traveling around the region. Al, how are you doing? Great, Elaine. Great to be here. Well, most people wouldn't think piracy would still be a thing in this century, yet the Gulf of Mexico has been witnessing the plundering by pirates for years. Tell us what you found out when you were covering this story. Where do these pirates come from? Well, obviously, Mexico and, and the Caribbean, as the, those famous Disney movies with Johnny Depp, uh, have documented that piracy has long been a thing in these waters around the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico, and certainly Campeche, which is where we base this story, which is on, the, the, on that inside curve of the Gulf of Mexico, close on there on the Yucatan Peninsula, was a, was a major Spanish port uh, during uh, the entire imperial age. Things like henequen, gold, rubber... Uh, natural dyes would all leave this uh, this area, and that obviously became a huge source of buccaneers uh, of of, um, of pirates seeking to take advantage of robbing Spanish vessels and taking away this plunder. And that's something which happened in the past, but it, 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 uh, today it really uh, continues to be a legacy, but for different reasons. What's happening in the Gulf of Mexico is that the the Cum Aloop Zap oil field, which is a, a, a sub-aquatic oil field out there in the Gulf of Mexico, is very, very rich in crude oil. It produces, you've got more than 400 offshore oil platforms producing around 2 million barrels of oil, of crude oil, every single day. And what's happening out there now is that these pirates who are going off in little skiffs, tiny speedboats, they are approaching these offshore oil platforms armed to the teeth. And they're going onto these platforms and robbing the onshore, uh, the on-platform workers, specifically for their oxygen emergency breathing kits. If there is some sort of emergency on board these uh, these offshore oil platforms, every worker is required to have his own oxygen emergency breathing kit, which gives you about forty minutes of oxygen from a tank, which will allow you, in that case, to hopefully survive for 40 minutes while emergency uh, help arrives to, to, to deal with any sort of emergency that might be going on on the platform. But these oxygen kits are worth between $1,000 and $1,500 on the black market. So what these pirates are doing is coming aboard these offshore oil, oil platforms and going on specifically pointing guns at workers and saying, 
give me all your valuables and your oxygen emergency kit. And these kits are then being taken away from the workers and sold on the black market for, you know, during our coverage, we estimated that, you know, the, the profits of each raid would be anything between $75,000 and $100,000. So it's big business for these pirates and something which is becoming a worsening problem. And, you know, it's not something that comes to mind when you hear pirates, because certainly there have been stories from different parts of the world. Um, you've heard of pirates uh, in African waters uh, targeting cargo boats. There are other instances where there are tourists involved or fishermen. So that's an interesting point you bring up. What has been the response from law enforcement when it comes to these type of heists? Well, this trend has been going on now for about six years, and the response from law enforcement, if we're to judge it by the statistics of how many arrests have been made, the response from law enforcement has been nil because there have been no arrests made, no single pirate, despite having to go out in these tiny little speedboats, having to go off, for, you know, from the coast to one of these targeted offshore oil rigs, it's a trip of about two and a half hours. So if law enforcement wanted to track them down and using the, the, the extreme technology that, uh, well, the using the maritime technology, which is, which is available and is owned by the state oil company Pemex in Mexico, tracking these pirates down would be, um, would be a relatively easy thing to do. But as I mentioned, no arrests made over the past six years since this phenomenon began happening. And during our coverage, a lot of the people we spoke to simply said, well, we do believe that there is government collusion here because the profits are so enormous. There's quite simply no reason that track the boats that they're using or even track the black market. Because when these oxygen kits are stolen from the workers on these oil rigs and resold, well, who is it that is buying these oxygen kits? Well, it's the same oil companies and workers who've just been robbed. The, the criminals are turning around and selling them back to the same people who've just been robbed at a profit through the black market. So these illicit activities would be very simple to track for any law enforcement worth their salt, but it's quite simply not happening. So a lot of the people we've spoken to have said there's uh, something fishy going on. And this might be too simple of a way to describe it, but it sounds like a ransom sort of situation where this cycle if it's ending back with some of these same oil companies precisely i mean if 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 you've been held at gunpoint by a pirate the week before and then the same oxygen kit is coming back into your possession with the same serial numbers of the ones of the one which you bought uh and took onto you and took with you onto the rig you know how is that possible right what happens if this has been going on for a while to the oil workers during these attacks? Uh, has there been a deadly situation? Is there any way they can fight back or protect themselves? I mean, you mentioned they have to have these. It's required for their job. But how are they feeling about this? Well, it's terrorizing them, of course. Obviously, being spending three to six months on an offshore oil rig is already a stressful situation. You're working 14-hour shifts, dr mining oil pumping oil straight out of a well two miles below sea level and it's already an unnatural place people you know go through very serious you know a lot of people can go through serious mental issues 
simply being stuck on a hunk of metal 20 kilometers out to sea where all you can see and all you're surrounded by is water and to have the fear of pirates rocking up on that oil rig at any point already adds to that and when it comes to the protocols of whether they are allowed to defend themselves they're quite simply not allowed to defend themselves because pirates are coming onto these oil rigs carrying guns and 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 high caliber weaponry if shots are fired and one of and a bullet hits the wrong gas pipe or the wrong depository or magazine for the storage of crude oil and gas these offshore oil rigs essentially turn into bombs sitting off offshore we spoke to one pemex union oil worker who was in an offshore oil rig meltdown back in 2005 and he said through a simple mistake a gas line uh, caught fire on this oil rig and in the space of 40 minutes the entire platform had melted as a result of this of of this disaster so the oil rig workers are not permitted to fight back because of these risks and what's even worse and what's even more stressful for them is that if pirates come onto the oil rig and these oil come, and and they aren't permitted to fight back the people who are expected to pick up the tab and pay the costs of the things which have been stolen from the oil rig are not the oil companies the workers are docked pay for the value of the things which are stolen so it's a very stressful situation for these workers and one which the oil companies and pemex and the government have presented no real solutions i want to take a quick uh toss here to pemex union leader jorge rios and get your reaction on the other side we can't believe the pirates aren't detected it takes a boat two and a half hours to reach an offshore platform the naval technology is very advanced, and it can detect even the smallest things. We were listening to Jorge Rios, who is a union leader for the oil platform workers, and he is surprised because pirates cannot be detected or stopped. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, Al. Well, exactly. There. As I mentioned, there have been absolutely no arrests of any pirate over the past six years of this practice. And it shouldn't be, for any law enforcement worth their salt, that difficult to track these guys down. And yet nothing is happening. So it's a very stressful situation. And uh, Jorge Rios was, uh, was a particularly important interviewee in that piece that we covered because he, he is someone who says that there has been back and forth over piracy and who's responsible. And he said, because the government during uh, a press conference talking about piracy blamed the piracy on the workers they said mx workers are giving passing information to these pirates about which which platforms to attack and he said well why would we do that when we are the ones in the firing line so it's uh it's a very difficult situation and one which the government nor the marine corps who patrol those waters nor the president himself of mexico nor the army have given any real response to. Any international support? Uh, I mean, if they are not asking for it, but, you know, is this piracy affecting other companies, other foreign companies or countries in this area, or is it just Mexico? Well, the oil field that Kuma loops up belongs entirely to Mexico, but there are international contractors who own platforms 
and have operations either contracting for Pemex or private operations in these waters. But obviously, because drilling concessions are all granted by the government, one issue here is that a lot of the, you know, we, we've seen over 700 pirate uh, acts of piracy in these waters over the past six years, which is, you know, more than more uh, more than one every three days. But they said, in reality, the amount of attacks which have happened are possibly even more because international companies, because the the losses due to piracy attacks are so negligible when it comes to their profits that they are loath simply to report any acts of piracy to the authorities for the fear of highlighting this problem and possibly therefore losing government favor and losing chances at future concessions for oil exploitation in these waters. And it appears none of this is going away anytime soon? Certainly doesn't. It's too big a business. $100,000 per raid. And we're talking about 700 raids over the past couple of years. That's $70 million. And that's, you know, a conservative estimate. So there's far too much money involved for the pirates. And if, if, if $70 million for criminal activities and no arrests, if you were the modern day Blackbeard, would you be tempted to say, well, I tell you, I, I think maybe let's just call it a day. This will end when companies no longer demand that workers bring their own emergency breathing equipment, lending the equipment to the workers and keeping two soldiers in the store lockers will end this. I mean, if you can act with uh, without impunity, right? I mean, modern day pirates of the Caribbean, Alistair Beverstock, thank you so much for being with us today on the America's Now podcast. The executive producer of the America's Now podcast is Jose Velasquez. Our audio editor is AJ Moore. Joe Zarenko is our copy editor. Umberto Duran is the head of the features unit. And I am your host, Elaine Reyes. Till next time.